Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name is Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Coming up in this episode, Mike Beale, Managing Director of ITV Studios Global Creative Network and Tom Miauchi, President of International Business Development at Nippon TV, discuss their partnership on new game show format Red Carpet Survival. But first, Tony Takabri, Chief Executive of Lion TV, speaks from his base in the US about the impact of the production shutdown on the all three media-owned company, whose series include long-running car-based game show Cash Cab these days on Bravo, as well as a string of documentaries, factual and entertainment formats for networks including Fox, MTV, History, Nat Geo and Discovery. Takabri spoke with C21's Clive Whittingham about the three projects Lion had in production when the lockdown hit how he's keeping the business on track, his concerns for freelancers, and the post-COVID future of an already embattled US cable business. I'm uh, Tony Takaberry, CEO of uh, Lion Television US, previously based in New York City. Uh, But not anymore. (laughs) Not anymore. Based all over the place right now. Personally, I'm two hours north of the city uh, in an area called the Hudson Valley, uh, which is a few miles east of the Hudson River, straight up north from the city. Um, and then uh, the team is is all over the place. Brooklyn, Queens, Connecticut, you name it. So how's uh, how's that working? How did how did it affect your business straight off the bat, and how have you how have you settled into things? You know, it was a little bit of a gradual process. I think for us, we started to react probably five or six weeks ago, reducing the numbers in the office, and then I think it's probably I, I, one one thing that goes is as you I'm sure are experiencing is your sense of time. So. Yeah. I think four or five weeks ago that this whole thing began and we were in full work from home mode and you know it, it's sort of on the one hand there's no question and I'm sure it's the same for everyone it's working it's absolutely functioning everyone's sort of there and present are we working in a completely different way absolutely is it oddly more intense than it used to be yes it is but we, we continue and I think the, the biggest aspect for us is you know there was that slight moment of what the hell is going to happen in terms of the the slate that we had? And I would say we've so far been extremely lucky in that we've really only had to put one show uh, on hiatus or on pause and found ways to make others keep going. And I think that's that's helped. Obviously, it means there is a bit of business continuity. We haven't had to look at the sort of potential abyss of of not having those shows. And so, yeah, different intense but we're getting through it can you tell me anything about the show that's had to um to go on hold and and what will happen to that going forward yeah uh, well first first answer is i don't know what will happen to it going forward because none of us know really what's going to happen in the future but it was a special we were doing for id i, I can't really talk too much about it because it hasn't been announced but we were all ready to go out and shoot and literally, it was touch and go whether we thought we could get the team out and back before any of these potential lockdowns. And in the end, we decided there was too much risk, too much risk associated with just basic social distancing policy, which had come into effect and potential of getting having our crews there. I think they were going to Washington State and um, maybe California. And there was the potential of them being stranded there. Who knows? There was, could have been a domestic lot. So we just thought, you know what, let's put it on pause. and. I think with that one, we are hopeful that in the sort of medium to worst case scenarios, we'll be able to get that one back out this year 
filmed and, and possibly delivered this year or early next year. So fingers crossed that one's going to be okay and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll still get it done. But but it, because it was imminently filming, it was the one most vulnerable. So that seems to be the thing when we're talking to producers, stuff that uh, was nearly finished and stuff that can go into post and edit, that's fine. But stuff that was filming or was about to film is is not fine. You, you suggested that some of yours have been able to carry on. Can you can you tell me a couple and how you've been able to do that? Yeah, I can. I, again, it, it, we can't talk too much in terms of titles because I think in most cases there haven't been announcements. But yeah, we've been lucky. So one show, which was is a, a regular sh- show, I can say it's for, for ID. The, the creative for that show is such that it actually lends itself to all the various types of remote filming that everyone's talking about. And then some. So much so that actually before the lockdown, I remember the EP putting forward the idea that that some of it could be shot on mobile phones or using sort of social media formats that we're all accustomed to. And we were a little bit like, okay, yeah, maybe I sort of see that. And then two months later, we're like, yep, perfect. We can totally do that. And it does fit. And so it's been great. And I have to say, full credit to the EP and, and the network that they fully embrace the creative. They fully embrace that approach. They fully embrace the fact that we'll, it is going to feel different and they're okay with that. And they, you know, they're taking a risk themselves, but they've sort of pushed forward. So that's one series. And then there's another series. It's slightly different. That's different actually. And that one I'd say is a little more up in the air. It's uh, another, uh, another crime series. And That one, the filming of the interviews is really quite specific. It's done in a way that frankly has, you know, the the style of the interview is not particularly novel, but it's distinctive for the show, uh, which is, you know, straight black background. And it's really important that we keep that black background. That's quite hard to replicate remotely. And so we've we've sort of strung out pre-production for as long as we possibly can for two reasons. One, in the hope that by the time we're ready to go, ready to shoot, things have opened up that we can go and stick our black backgrounds behind various people all around the country, or that we'll have figured out a remote solution that is able to incorporate this background. So those two are, uh, you know, in slightly different places, but still moving forward. And then there's a a third series that was actually a digital series that uh, season two, we're in season two of it. We just started pre-production and season one was all shot using um, Zoom or Skype in any case. And it did extremely well and it came back for season two. And because it's already got the precedent of shooting uh, remotely we can keep doing that so that series has actually been upordered, and we, we're now you know we went from something like 10 eight minutes to 20 half hours because it fits the current situation so just in different ways we've been lucky but you know the, the other truth is you know it's we'll see if things don't open up soon things could get really tricky so, I mean, are, are, they, are you busy? We've heard a lot about uh, clip shows and archive shows. Are you busy pitching pitching that as, as fill-in or, or are you just <laughs> focusing on those, those three that you've got? We're pitching more now than two months ago. A, because the appetite is there for traditional as well as sort of more COVID-related content. And so just on that side of things, we're, we're busier than I think we have been in a very long time. And then in terms of the sort of more COVID proof content, we definitely went through a phase of being very focused on that. And there's a couple of projects 
that are definitely in discussion uh, that are entirely, were entirely created to be COVID proof and to respond to the times. But I also think that was a little bit of a false dawn, at least from where we're sitting. Every, there was a sense immediately in the first week or so of, oh, okay, we need this, we need this. And then really a number of networks have stepped back and said, you know what? No, we're good. We've got other ways we can handle this. We're focused on more traditional de- development. Yeah, we've got a couple of programs, that, a couple of ideas in the mix that are absolutely, you know, remote shooting only. Yeah, I guess it depends whether it's a a three-month, six-month, nine-month thing, really, doesn't it? How much the desperation will grow from buyers. No, exactly exactly right. And um, it's so hard to predict. And that's the piece of it that I think mentally is causing the most the most difficulty actually certainly from my guys is it's not the the, the the here and now it's not the how do we keep this particular show going right now what are the daily issues that we're dealing with it's the forecasting it's the both from a corporate and company level but also from a production level well we've we've made an assumption with one series that there's a chance we could be shooting some places in the u.s albeit with say local teams in June. I don't think that's crazy. I don't know. I think it's a reasonable assessment that we're going to have to revisit every couple of weeks, but we just don't know. And I think that takes us, you know, that what we do as it is, is has a good deal of unpredictability to it. And that's been compounded by quite a large factor. And and that's, that's part of why it's intense is you just don't know. Any, any permanent learnings that will come out of this? Because there was already talk about television was too addicted to travel, air travel. Do you think there'll be like more focus on either local filming or filming with fewer people? If you, like, if you can do a show with 10 people now, is a broadcaster going to turn around and say, well, if you could do it with 10 during the lockdown, why do you need 20 people today? Do you think there'll be any permanent change or will it just go back to how it's always been once we're, once we're up and running? I think there will be change. I think behaviours will change somewhat. I'm not one, though, that believes it's going to be so radical. I would like to think that if we've got 10 people on a shoot, although my British colleagues always uh, are slightly aghast at the number of people that are on uh, US film sets, you know, one hopes there's a role for them and that there isn't redundancy. And so I think... I, I, I don't know. I, I don't see such radical change because I think, you know, you're, you're making compromises. And I think that's one of the things that we're seeing with uh, a lot of our network partners is there is a little bit of compromise that's, that's required to keep things moving along. And they're open to that and they're willing to talk about it. And, and, and I think it, as things get back to normal, then you want to revert back to original standards. That's not to say some behaviors won't change. I, so I guess I just think it's, it's a little gray. It's not black and white. I think some things will change a little bit, behaviors, habits. But at the end of the day, you know, if you want a certain type of product, to some degree, you need to do it you know, a certain way. There's obviously been a lot of talk in the UK about measures from the Chancellor and furloughing employees, helping freelance and things like that. What's the situation with you guys specifically and in the US in general how have you found any federal or, or local help for your for your business politically we, we uh, as a company I think there are definitely sort of small business options that are out there we're currently not eligible for any of them I think largely because we've managed to retain some kind of business continuity but we'll we'll obviously revisit that down the line although 
as I say that, I believe I just read that the, the big package aimed at small businesses uh, has gone. And so it would have to be something else further down the line. It's been snapped up, first come, first serve. So not a huge amount there. Also not a huge amount for us right now. I, I'm a little more concerned on the freelancer side of things. I, I, I'm not aware of anything in the US that really is, is at a federal level designed for um, the freelance community. And, and even at an industry level, I'm not aware of any efforts here in the States to find ways to support and help freelancers. We know for a fact, hundreds and thousands of whom have lost their jobs in the last few weeks. And I, I, I'm, I am, that's a worry for me. And, uh, you know, we, we're trying to do everything we can to keep people on board, but also we have to make sure that we're as lean as possible to prepare for what does happen down the line. So we're doing it. We've let freelancers go. And that's, I, you know, I don't know. I don't think there is anything for them. Yeah, they felt like a bit of an afterthought to the measures here as well. And the industries, I mean, more than most industries really completely reliant on uh, on freelance work. It'd be interesting to see what, what we look like when we come back from this like, on that front. No, I think that's absolutely right. And I think that's a very good point. If, there's a, if there is a learning, I would hope that it's that exactly right. They are stakeholders in this market, in this industry, just like anyone else, just like the networks, just like the producers. We couldn't do what we do without them. They couldn't exist as networks without them. And yet there really isn't any way of, of, of them gaining, having any kind of, of protection or, or safety net. Is there, a, is there a point in this where it, it becomes, I'm, I'm searching for the right word, maybe critical isn't the right word for your company, but like three months good, six months really bad. Is there, is there a tipping point where, you're, like you say, you're fine now, you've got these three series that you can keep working on, but you know, if it's going on for six months, then it becomes a real issue. Or if we you know, come out of lockdown and then have to go back into lockdown, what sort of, I mean, it's hard to predict the future, isn't it? But what sort of future are you looking at for, for your company? You know, um... Yeah, is is there a tipping point? Absolutely. We're we're a business that relies on you know volume of sales, volume of business. We're not yet halfway through the year. Um, we we have to bring in, putting aside you know the pandemic. If this was a regular year, we'd have to bring in a good deal more business between now and the end of the year, and we'd have to execute it. And you know we're certainly not there yet for this year. So we need to to sell more and make more to to stay afloat simple as that and so i would say you know if this continues through the next four or five months with this this degree of restriction of movement we'd have to be pretty lucky to come out of it unscathed frankly Uh, and by that i mean some you know creative ways to continue production um but in lieu of that yeah I, i mean i'm looking you know, in three months' time, I have a really clear sense of, of where we're going to land on this. And, and there's no question, all um, outlooks are on the table. How have you been doing your pitching? You mentioned that you'd actually been upping your level of pitching over the last couple of weeks. Is it all, all Zoom meets and, and things like that? Uh, it was. And then I, I don't know. I just was, there was a point last week where I was like, you know what? I'm going to go old school. I'm going to pick up the phone. It was radical, I get you know crazy idea but it was good it was good just to just to talk and not look um but yeah zoom phone email i mean again that piece of it can continue in absolutely to the same degree in the same fashion and the same volume that it 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 did pre pre the virus i think um 
development is as alive now as it probably ever has been. And I think networks, is, uh, uh, there's almost a sense that networks are seeing this as a, a real opportunity, you know, necessity being the mother of invention is this a sort of a great opportunity for those big creative swings. And I also think there's a little license for big creative swings that perhaps wasn't there before. The, the, the state that we're in, the world that we're in, I think people are receptive to those kind of big ideas in a way that they weren't before. Obviously, no, you know, noting that something slightly more upbeat and positive and that, that doesn't bring you down when you're in isolation is key. But yeah, I, we're doing all of the above and, and um, very busy. The, commi- is, is it the commissioning editors, it's, it's open for business. You haven't seen any sort of shuttering, uh, pulling, up the, pulling up the shutters so far. Quite the opposite. Yeah, I, don't, I can't think of a single place that we've been talking to that has, has said anything other than business as usual, pitch, pitch, pitch. Yeah, and, and, and in fact, some networks are, are, are being a little more aggressive, a little more proactive, doing pitch fests or Zoom fests. Pitchfest was a part of normal life occasionally. Now they're part of our life here just via Zoom. So yeah, no, I, I fully open for business, looking for content, assuming the world will return to some semblance of normality. There'd been some quite doom-laden predictions about the state of US cable anyway. It's, it's a bit of a staple for events over there to talk about declining ad revenues, declining subscribers. The, the theory is that the ad market, the bottom's going to fall out of the ad market over this. What does US cable look like after this? Or, you know, is it too soon to say? Yeah, it's a really good question. It's a little, you know, it, it's this sort of odd series of events or, or uh, happenings that, yes, uh, you know, cable, the, the, the demise of cable has been talked about, honestly, for a decade or more still here still huge not as huge as it was still huge and then this happens bizarrely ratings shoot through the roof or not bizarrely it kind of makes sense but then the ad revenue is going down uh, even though they're getting record ratings so you're absolutely right that this 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 is a date i would have thought a dangerous moment if you're in on the cable side of things and again it just depends i think like us they must be looking at some kind of a horizon uh, beyond which things start to look really bad. At the same time, if things are able to come back a little quicker, if the ad money does, is if the economy does turn around, ad money starts coming in, then maybe they've they've this has been a bit of a fillet to the uh, the cable side of things. So it was so hard for me to predict pre-virus how cable would look, even harder now. But absolute questions about everything in terms of you know the future so it's a real tough one following its launch of red carpet survival at mipcom last year japan's nippon tv struck a deal with itv studios which has optioned the show for europe middle east and africa Karolina Kaminska caught up with Nippon's Tom Mayanucci and ITV's Mike Beale to find out more about the show and their ambitions for rollout. I'm joined by ITV Studios' Mike Beale and Nippon TV's Tom Mayanucci, and today they are going to tell us about a new way they are working together to take a new format global. So Tom, tell us about the deal you've made. So yes, I'm very pleased that uh, we have a deal um, on this Red Carpet Survival, which is our original game show format produced by Nippon TV. And this 
show has been on the air uh, in Japan in 2018. And uh, luckily, that um, ITV Studios um, found the interest uh, in this format. So we now have an um, option deal uh, with ITV Studios between Nippon. And this is across 33 uh, territories, including UK and many of the countries in Europe and um, North, America, North Africa and Middle East territories. So Red Carpet Survival is a brand new game show which was launched in Japan back in 2018. Uh, we had a very successful run uh, domestically and we felt that it's, uh, there's a need for it to be brought out to international markets. So in doing so, um, just a little bit of background of this show that it's a dynamic game show with only a simple set of rules. There's only one VIP and three bodyguards and bodyguards escort the VIP on the red carpet, and the VIP must stay on the red carpet no matter what. So if the VIP steps off the red carpet, then a bodyguard gets eliminated. So I would say that it's a celebrity vehicle in the sense that uh, many trendy celebrities were featured as VIPs in the show. And Im immensely popular comedians were also acting as the bodyguards. So during this show, they face together a crazy set of traps such as um, crocodiles mentioned and uh, also trapped in an elevator with a wild monkey or massive explosions, so on and so forth. And which naturally feels the interactions between the talents and made it immensely appealing to our audience in Japan. And also to note, um, this show has been created by our director who won the award uh, the Association of All Japan TV Program Production Company as the most outstanding director. We have restructured uh, ITV Studios and the creative network was given a brief uh, to look into the marketplace and try and find uh, interesting, exciting global ideas uh, that we could produce across our um, production network. And um, it was fortuitous, the meeting with Tom, he presented Red Carpet Survival uh, and we were really excited from the outset. And Mike, where does ITV Studios expect the red carpet survival format to be picked up? Uh, well, we see this as a, as a very broad, uh, entertaining and scalable show. So we're hoping that uh, across our territories, uh, and as Tom mentioned, that you know, UK, US, Australia, uh, mainland Europe and the Middle East, um, that those channels that look for either big entertainment or uh, scalable entertainment with a, a co-viewing family audience uh, will like this show. And how quickly do you think Red Carpet Survival could be produced once lockdown is, is lifted? We feel that uh, we, once we get the opportunity to produce, we can move quite quickly into production because we're, you know, we're, business hasn't stopped. We're, we're preparing our pitches now. We'll be going out to the market in the coming weeks, months um, to pitch them this show. Uh, and although there's still, you know, still a bit of uncertainty about uh, uh, who needs what and when at the moment, we, we think that Red Carpet Survival has a very strong um, appeal to a lot, a lot of potential buyers. So we feel we can sell it in this, in this period and then move into production when we can, when it's safe to do so. I mean, our, our interest in the, this show and, and hopefully the production of this show will, will be outside of the current times that we're in. And, and I think any show that's entertaining and brings a whole family together is is going to be important uh, and so we we see this as light-hearted entertainment and fun and, and we've seen that recently even before 
um, lockdowns and things, you know, Saturday night takeaway was experienced in, in experiencing its best ratings um, for 10 years. Um, so uh, I think that's what the audience is looking for now. Mike Beale and Tom Miyauchi talking to Carolina Kaminska. That's all from the podcast this week. Remember, if you'd like to share your story of coping with COVID-19 with the international TV industry, email us using the address press at c21media.net. We'll be back next week, but in the meantime, stay safe and stay up to date with all the latest developments by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 